Passionate, driven, enthusiastic, euphoric. This is who we are as entrepreneurs. But how we leverage these incredible attributes to dream and build businesses that scale and grow is what this podcast is all about. Hello, I'm attorneypreneur Josh Brown, and welcome to Franchise Euphoria. Are you wondering if you are right for franchising or if you have found the right franchise? If so, please tune in to this episode. I am thrilled to have the Franchise King, Joel Labava, here today. Joel is a franchise ownership advisor. He teaches time-tested and proven techniques that enable today's prospective franchise owners to make a yes or no decision on franchise business opportunities that they're looking at with total confidence. If you're looking into franchise ownership, Joel will show you how to lower your money risk and increase your chances of of success. He's the author of Become a Franchise Owner, The Startup Guide to Lowering Risk, Making Money, and Owning What You Do, a top-ranked book on Amazon.com. Hello, Joel, and welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. How the heck are you? I'm doing fantastic. So, So tell me, Joel, how did you get involved in this wacky world of franchising? <clears throat> Excuse me. It is uh, it is somewhat wacky. My uh, my late father Jerry Lababa was one of the first franchise matchmakers, franchise brokers. He was with an outfit called Frannet, and he was one of the first guys that joined. And that's uh, that that was my introduction to this part of franchising. But before that, I was in automobile franchising, and I was in the restaurant business, and radio and TV, and a bunch of different stuff. But I had a franchising background in the in a management capacity, but I didn't have it in 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 this way, uh, where I'm uh, 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 more of a, a consultant, uh, and obviously now for some bizarre reason, a writer too. Well, for a great reason, you're a great writer. I mean, you've got you've got publications all over the place, publics, published articles all over, which is great. Uh, c- can you explain to the audience a little bit as we get into this what the actual difference is between a franchise consultant and then you as a franchise advisor? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm certainly glad you asked that question because a lot of people ask me, so, Joel, what is it that you do? I, I don't, I'm not sure if I understand. And I just wrote a, a, a page about it on my website that I linked to so people have a better understanding. But When I was a franchise consultant, franchise broker, which are the same thing, I got paid large commissions for matching people to opportunities that were in my stable. In other words, I worked with about 100, maybe 120 different franchisors. Those are the only ones that I showed people uh, and presented. So I was in the sales process. When I left FranNet and went out on my own, I started to get a little burned out with with the whole brokering thing and i decided that i was going to kind of go for the long tail and 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 really really think long term and become more of an advocate and an advisor for people that wanted to buy franchises without the size of my wallet increasing when i helped them so what i tell people today is and some people may take it wrong but it's just kind of my my non-politically correct self is that I don't care if you buy a franchise or not when you work with me, because if you do, you're paying for my expertise either way. If you don't, you're paying for my expertise either way. In other words, you pay me my hourly fee or you or you you, you purchase a package with several hours in it, 
and whether or not you purchase a franchise, it's not like I get a bonus if you do. So it's 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 really transparent. Uh, no one else does it. I uh, uh, I make sure that I, I remain as unbiased as possible, and I'm not sending people to specific franchise opportunities unless I know for sure that it's something they should look at. And if I didn't tell them, I would feel guilty. But I'm not compensated by the franchisors for doing it. Does that help? No, that's a great distinction. I mean, I've I've interviewed people who are franchise consultants. I know franchise consultants, and you and yeah, I me both, too. Yeah, and yeah. you and I both know. It's just like any industry. It's yeah. you know, there's the good and the bad. And, Absolutely. And, you know, there's there's very good franchise consultants, even though they have franchisors that are that are paying them and they're upfront about all that. And and at right. the end of the day, they want to steer people in the right direction. And then there's people people who aren't. But I think there's a big misnomer out there. And I think a lot of people just don't understand the difference. And so from your perspective, and I think it's a it's a great thing what you're doing is you're basically saying, hey, I'm going to meet with you with you and I'm going to be as objective as possible because you are going to pay me. It's not as though you're going to be in a position, Joel, where then you have to put somebody in a franchise in order for you to get paid. Right. Your objectivity kind of goes out it's the window. To, yeah, yeah, because when I was a broker, and, and, and all brokers do this, my focus was on getting them to sign a franchise agreement so I get paid. Now, it's totally not on that. It's only about making sure that they're looking at the right opportunities that are a match for them and that they are lowering their risk as much as possible when doing so. Now, I don't know anybody else who does it like you do it. Is there anybody else? No. There used to be a guy by the name of Nick Bibby, B-I-B-B-Y, a real nice guy. We've interacted before. Uh, he got out of it. Uh, he was doing what I was doing in a, in a different way because he had a law background also. But uh, there is no legal advice given in, in, in my model. Uh, I refer to franchise attorneys and franchise loan officers and and accountants and stuff, but but there's no legal advice given. You you've been in this you've been in this game a long time, and I imagine over the years you've seen a lot of changes in the franchise world, especially as it's grown in popularity uh, over the last you know 15, 20 years. I'd love for you to touch on that a little bit and just talk about some of the differences that you've seen. And specifically, how that relates to the would-be buyers out there right now? Well, there's obviously, as, as you know, Josh, there's more choices. There are more franchises being offered than ever before, uh, which, is, which is good. Uh, but it also makes it more confusing for people. The positive side of that is be, because of the Internet, it's a lot easier for people to gather information. And franchisors are learning that they must be a lot more transparent than they used to be. Because franchise buyers used to have to go to the library to do research. Really? And that took days, if not weeks, and the information was old sometimes. Now, you know, in this internet world of ours, the information is almost instant and things that are updated, the search engines pick up on really, really fast. So transparency uh, has changed the franchise industry. The Internet obviously has changed the franchise industry. But there are definitely more choices out there and more choices. Uh, it has been proven that more choices baffle people. They don't they don't help. That's why folks like me can help people really whittle them down and, and make sure that they're looking at the opportunities that are that are a fit for them based on things like their skill sets their personal traits, what they want this business to look like and feel like, their exit plans. I mean, there's a lot of things. 
you know, you and I both know that most people uh, start with franchising. They look at big brands, big names. A lot of them lean towards food, which is fine. Uh, but there are just so many different opportunities out there that, I mean, there's people making great incomes in franchises that aren't necessarily branded and that people haven't necessarily heard of, but they're kind of hidden gems. And, and I'm able to, to help people find those, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, what, what makes, what makes Joel different? I, I use my intuition. Uh, I can, I can talk to someone over the phone or on Skype or meet in person. And in 10 minutes, I can come up with ideas for them that they never heard of, never thought of. Um, and I might not necessarily name franchisors, but I'll name sectors of franchising that fit what they say they want in a business. And they're like, oh, I never knew that. That's what I'm really good at is, is, is coming up with fresh ideas for people. You, you mentioned in, in, it, that you can help them find the hidden gems. And it's kind of interesting you said that because I recently talked with um, – Carol Tice, who I know you know, oh yeah, is a she's a she's she's a hoot, as you say. Oh, she's and, a hoot. Uh, she she definitely had a very very strong and interesting um, stance on the newer franchises and the risks that are associated. Yeah, I heard in, her in, yeah. In, in getting in with them. I'm curious what your position is on that and what you think, because as we all know, I mean, when people think about franchises, of course they think about the brand, they think about right. the systems, they think about. Uh, buying the business that so they don't, they can avoid some of the mistakes that true startups would have. And the question is, how much of a system do new franchises really have? And how much trust can you put in those systems? Well, the, the cool thing is just because they're new doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to be a higher risk for people. Uh, but because they're new, they've yet to be proven as long as, as some of the other ones out there. Uh, it's a lot harder to research a young franchise concept because there's usually not as many franchisees to call and talk to for research purposes. The, the bigger problem uh, for me has less to do with the, with the proven system and more to do with the, the really scummy franchise development companies that will tell anyone that they have a great idea for a franchise that's definitely going to work. And as a matter of fact, we're going to help you sell the first two or three. And it never happens. That is, I think, the biggest problem in franchising. The best franchise development executives, franchise development companies, are the ones that have the courage to say, you know what, this, is, this, this isn't franchise material. You need to maybe, maybe get that model, like you talked about, get the model a little tighter before, you re, before we revisit this, or just do company stores. But unfortunately, you know, whenever there's money, in between uh, a, a prospect and, and a consultant of any type, uh, you know, there's that there's that that human factor which says, "Well, I want the money. I want the money." And and sometimes it gets the best of people, and they sign people up, and a hundred thousand dollars later, there's a franchise invented, and two years later, two franchises have been sold, and everyone's scratching their heads, wondering what the heck happened. Well, I love that you mentioned that because. I've talked to several, numerous businesses that have looked at the franchise model, and then they go and talk to some of these companies about setting the business up as a franchise, and they get blown away when they hear, you know, that's going to cost you $100,000 to put your operating, marketing, right. all the other plans together. 
it, it sounds to me like you've had some interesting experiences with those companies and have the feeling that that, you know, obviously some of them are just in it to make a buck for themselves and don't really care about the long term viability of uh, or success of the franchise. I'm curious, do you advise businesses on that as well, in addition to the individuals that are buying franchise units? Well, because I was I don't know if it was smart, maybe lucky uh, enough to learn about websites and online marketing many years ago, way before a lot of people in way before a lot of the people in franchising got involved in it. I think that my, my, my online presence is such that I get calls from all sorts of people and all sorts of companies because they put franchise in the search engine and I come up sometimes or, or, or more than sometimes, which obviously is the goal nowadays. So I do get calls from people asking me, you know, can you help me franchise my business? So what I do is I I do kind of a, a, a mini vetting situation where I will arrange a call and we'll talk for 15 or 20 minutes and I will, I will put my antenna up and listen for some of the signals that are important for people that want to franchise a business. And I'll tell the people ahead of time, you know, if I hear something and, and I feel fairly strong, at least, that you have something viable as a franchise concept, I'll refer them to one or one of two uh, uh, franchise development people uh, that I know, like, and trust. I, I and 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 they'll throw me a little bonus for doing it. And that in that case, um, it's a referral fee, you know, just like just like uh, all of us get. But I, I of course disclose that up front because that's just how I am. I've always been like that. No, that's great. I think that's great for people to know because as as you know, you know, my target audience for this show are the people who are obviously looking to buy franchises get into franchises but also the businesses that are looking to expand through franchising right and you know there's just there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do it so i'm glad i'm glad you touched on that i'd love for you to take a a couple minutes here to just kind of walk us through the process that you take people through that are considering franchise opportunities in other words somebody comes to you at the outset they think they want to buy a franchise or maybe they have a list of here's 15 franchises I want to buy. What sort of process do you take people through? Well, Josh, you know that Kings live in castles and, <laughs> and, and, and all the, Oh, you think I'm, you think I'm kidding here. All the castles have what's called a moat M O A T around them. And I require people that want to work with me to figure out how to get across that moat. And for me, the first part of the moat is a franchise quiz that I developed, gosh, right. almost six years ago. Uh, it's it's uh, www.takethefranchisequiz.com. That is the first step. I want to I want people to start thinking about what they're about to get into as as prospective franchise owners, and and I want people to spend ten or fifteen minutes taking this quiz that I developed, and it's it's totally unscientific, but it, it gets people thinking, and and they have to answer questions that relate to rule following, uh, you know, are, are, are the people that are looking at franchises, are they looking for a quick, instant money machine? I don't have to do any work. There's a system in place. I turn the key or are the people that realize it's going to take a while to make money probably. And I'm fine with rules. So depending on their score and I personal, I personally score all of them. There's no software involved. So it takes a little while sometimes for people to get their results back. If their score is high enough, we talk. And we have a conversation, and then the process goes from there. The next step 
is is I really try to get to know people and I and I get them thinking about what they're really really good at and and what kind of things they're good at that could transfer over to franchise ownership. Uh, for example, if if someone uh, in, in our discussions, if someone says, you know, Joel, I cannot sell at all. I hate selling. I don't want to learn any formal sales training, but I really like people. I know right away that I'm not going to really, really be talking to them about a business to business franchise where they're in and out of their car all day making calls. Maybe I'll talk to them about a a franchise that is in the real in the retail sector, but something that might be fun because they really do want to interact with people. So I get them. I, I really get people thinking about about what they're good at, some of their personal traits, and what types of franchises would match. So that's the beginning of the process. Then I then I have them go find them. I give them suggestions where they could find them. Here's a few websites, but you know it's on you to find them. Well, Joel, which ones should I look at? Go find some. Tell me which ones you found, and I'll and I'll just tell you how to how to start doing research and and start investigating. Do you, do you find that just uh, over the years and the number of people that you've worked with, do you find that there's sort of a pattern of, you know, there tends to be different personalities that work very well with franchising versus personalities that don't work with franchising? Yes, me, Joel Abava, not a good <laughs> franchisee. Uh, I found out uh, the hard way when I was with uh, the organization I was with. I don't like rules, and I kind of knew that going in, but uh, things got so strange that I, I just, it just wasn't working. And I found out that I was doing stuff better than they were, and I was paying them for it. So, you know, the, resent, the resentment started to build, and, that, and that's why I split. But um, uh, certain people are really, really good at, at becoming franchise owners, people like middle managers and executives of companies who are used to rules and following them and, and being okay with them as long as they believe that the rules will, will help them get where they want to go. You know, that, that's that franchise, you know, buying the operations manual. I mean, that's part of what you're buying is an operations manual and a marketing system. So those types of people work really well. People that are way too entrepreneurial, like for instance, the people that came up with the franchise concepts to begin with, the franchisors, the true entrepreneurs, uh, uh, are people that are not going to be rule followers. They're going to make their own rules as long as they go. Uh, or, or uh, worse, they're going to uh, call the franchisor every three weeks and, and make suggestions on what they should be doing better. And that's going to quickly turn into an ugly situation. Even if the franchisor is open to suggestions, the franchisees that do that are just wasting too much time and energy. Just go run your business, man. You know, really. I mean, that, remember why you got in the franchise to begin with. You got in the franchise because you believed in the brand. You believed in the operations uh, area of the business and the marketing. You know, go go rock and roll. Make some money. Don't don't try to change things. Yeah, and I think that touches on a mistake that I see a lot of people making is that they don't believe in the brand when they buy it. And it's amazing to me. It's like, why are you buying it if you don't believe in it? If you don't believe in it and you think you can do it better, go do it yourself, you know. But but that wow. being said, I tell people as well, Joel, and I, I'd be curious your thoughts on this, that you want to find a franchise, too, that's going to listen to you. You know, they're not going to they're not going to necessarily jump when you say jump and they're not necessarily going to make every change that you suggest. But if you're part of a system and you and several other franchisees, whether it's through an association or whether it's, you know, individually, have sort of the same concerns and the same thoughts, 
I, I believe the good franchises listen to you, listen to their franchisees because they're the feet on the ground. They're the people in the local markets that know best and know better than the corporate franchise on certain localized issues. I'd be curious your thoughts on that. I, I, I think it, it goes into doing really, really good research. And, and I teach people how to do that. If you know ahead of time what the culture is in the franchise system, if you know ahead of time that the executives are pretty buttoned up executives who are very, very into doing things their own way. If you know that going in, don't go in with the idea that, that you're gonna have a lot of discussions with them about changing things. <clears throat> it goes into what you what you learn as you as you call franchisees that are in the system ready. One of the things you ask is, how open are they to criticism or suggestions? Uh, uh, you know, if there's a franchisee association inside the franchise organization, then you have a shot. But if, if there isn't, and, and you're feeling when you when you go to a discovery day, which is when you meet the executives of the team at headquarters, when you go there and you're not feeling it, you're not feeling that love, like there's going to be a lot of give and take, then don't go into that franchise system with that with that attitude. But if you want to go into a franchise system because you're, you're hoping that it's an open door policy, uh, make sure that you find out ahead of time that that's pretty much what it is. You'll find that at headquarters when you meet them. But you'll find that out really by talking to the franchisees, the ones that have you know already written the check. They'll tell you. And if you're not, I mean, <laughs> if you're not feeling on top of the mountain, like you can run through a brick wall after you go to a discovery day, you yeah. really got to think twice about that franchise because that is when they are <laughs> pumping you with everything positive about their system. Right. It's also a great opportunity, I find, or I as I've talked to people to really kind of see what their background support is, you know, so you get a good idea of, okay, if I have a problem, who do I go through to contact? What kind of team do you have in place? I've actually seen some, and I'm sure you have too, Joel, seen some uh, franchises that are rapidly expanding. They have a lot, a lot of franchisee units out there. Right. Yet, it's the original person who started the franchise, who's answering the phones, who's doing all, <laughs> and it, it blows my mind. Do you see that? I've, I've seen it before, uh, and I've seen the look of terror in the <laughs> eye, uh, in the eyes of that person, because it's like, yeah, I like this franchise a lot. They've been very good to me. I'm making money, and I'm I'm glad that I'm the operations person. Um, and this is great, but I'd love to talk to you more. But I gotta go. Um, it's it's. Uh, it's quite intense. So yeah, you're right. I mean, the franchisor has to has to make sure they're providing the support needed as the growth uh, goes on. And young franchisors um, don't necessarily understand how to do that. But they're you know, it, it depends who the franchise development person or or firm was because a good one will take them through that process and help them figure out how to ramp up when needed and not after. You know, I read. Uh, gosh, I can't think of the name of the book right now. But I read a book by the name uh, by an author by the name of Phil Simon, and, he, and, and in it, uh, there's a, there's a lot about Amazon, and the and the I think the biggest takeaway I learned was have a lot more storage than you need. The Amazon folks bought more servers than they ever thought they would use. They bought more memory and more storage space at the beginning, so they wouldn't have any headaches while they grew. 
And, you know, in franchising, franchisors have to think the same way. Obviously not in, in, in memory and in computers, even though it's, that's a small part of it. But, you know, I have to have the space needed for bigger training classes. I have to have, you know, I have to have more systems in place. I have to have a couple extra marketing people almost ready to go as this thing starts scaling. So uh, a franchisor, if, if they're really serious about selling a lot of franchises, they have to have that, that mindset of, I'm going to be ready to rock and roll when the time comes. I'm not going to like do it at the last minute. Yeah, it's like you, you, you really have to build to where you're going, not where you're at. Right. right. You know, it's hard to do and it's hard to, you know, you don't want to go too crazy with that concept. But the notion is to always be thinking about the future and ahead. And and I'm, I'm curious, what do you what do you think is the biggest mistake that you see franchise buyers making routinely? Uh, there's two of them. The first one has to do with money. They, they, they are not psychologically prepared to make like no money for the first year. Uh, and I, and I told millionaires this before, you know, if you're used to making 20 or $30,000 a month, even if you have money set aside, you, you're still used to the lifestyle that 20 to $30,000 a month makes you. And all of a sudden you are working your butt off and you're making no money because it's a startup. Psychologically, it's really frustrating to not get a paycheck for a while when you're used to having one because you came from the corporate culture. So that's one. The other mistake is not calling and not visiting enough franchisees that are in business. Um, the visits, one or two would be nice, you know, one-on-one, face-to-face visits with franchisees in the field. But calling and talking to 10 or 15 franchisees, it takes a couple weeks to do at least. But I find that a lot of people, um, put it like this, a lot of people call me when they're in the middle of the process and they've only talked to one or two franchisees, and they're the ones that the franchisor gave them information on. And I and when I say to them, well, you know, you have the documents in front of you with all the names and phone numbers. You need to start calling people randomly now. Oh, really? I thought I was going to talk to the couple that I no. You got to talk to a lot more. I want you to find the bad and the good. It's not because I I think there's anything to hide. It's because you need the total picture. So start calling, and here's how. So I I present them with 30 or 40 questions that they that they need to ask. I show them how to ask them, and I tell them when to ask them and who to ask them of. And and that's part of of making a decision that's fact based, not emotion based. That's great. That's that's great advice. Um, what do you think the I mean, what is the best piece if you had to sum it all up? What's the best piece of advice you can give to that person out there right now who's stuck in a job they hate, stuck in a corporate job they hate or any job they hate or who has been downsized and really is now considering franchising? What kind of advice can you give them? What's the next step they should now take? The next step they should take is to unplug from all electronics for a couple of days, seriously, and really, really do a deep dive into themselves and, and make sure that they, they can be in this for the long run. And the, and the biggest tip I've given over the years is to think long term. Make sure you're going into this with, with a seven to ten year plan of what you want your life to look like. Because the first couple of years are going to be brutal in any startup, franchise or not. Have a long-term vision and a goal. That's great. Well, I mean, thank you, Joel, so much for taking time today. I, I want to finish off by giving you 
the last couple minutes to tell us more about you, tell us about your ebook and all the other exciting and great things that you have going on. And where can people find you? Because I'm sure people are going to want to get in contact with you. Thank you, Josh. Uh, if you just go to thefranchiseking.com, uh, you will find everything you need on franchising from, from A to Z. My site has been up for going on eight years. I'm, uh, I'm the guy that started the first ever franchise blog uh, in the country, for sure. And I have a, just a lot of information, a lot of informational articles that, that uh, folks can learn from. I have uh, eBooks that I sell. You'll see pictures of them when you go to the blog portion of the site. Uh, I'm in the process right now of updating one and adding a bunch of content to it. So that's going to be ready in a few weeks. Uh, the ebook comes with a money back guarantee. All my ebooks do. Uh, and there's going to be some special bonuses with, with the one that I'm updating. So, so stay tuned. But it's thefranchiseking.com. You know, not everyone likes my style. I'm a little straightforward, shall we say, sometimes. But my heart is in the right place. And my focus is on making sure that people that are looking at franchises if they end up buying one, can do so without losing sleep at night. Well, you know, I like your style, but more importantly, I like your substance. And that's what I think people out there need to be considering before they're buying a franchise. Style will not get you very far at all. Substance will. So thank you again so much for your time, and I look forward to staying in touch with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for being with us today on the Franchise Euphoria podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to go to iTunes and provide a review. Also, please remember that although Josh Brown is a licensed and practicing attorney, nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as legal advice, because it is not. The information contained in this podcast is general and educational in nature, and none of it should be relied upon as legal advice. That being said, if you have questions for Josh and would like to contact him, please email him at josh at franchiseuphoria.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you tune in to our next weekly episode. Music.